to the Norwood Noise. It is Wednesday, December 7th. We're back um, for a quick little update. Week pod. Um, not a ton going on this past week in College Hoops, um, but Graham and I are here to talk it all through with you. Graham, I'll let you kind of start us off. Graham, you know, how you doing? You know, what's going on? Finals push. We got finals next week here at Xavier. Many other colleges are going through kind of the same thing right now, either this week or next week. Um, holidays coming up. Weather's getting darker, grayer, all that lovely stuff here as we get into December. What's going on with you? All right. Well, first of all, just want to say, told you so to everyone that's listening. I said that we'd be back in a week, and we are. Yeah, so we're we are. here. We uh, kept our end of the deal, so we're back to get going. Hopefully you're back this week. Mm -hmm. Keep your end of the deal. Yeah, of course. Um, And then, um, you know, it's also good, you know, I have this routine down because we're back to, like, the routine of college basketball season. Just, like, you know, the daily grind. There's a few good games a night. And just excited, you know, talk with you guys for a little bit. Also, um, you know, it's, it's just a good time of the year, you know, like when everyone's, you know, just hanging inside, you know. With your friends and family, and then holidays coming up, so it'll be nice uh, to get back home for a little bit, enjoy some time with the fam before we start that second push to the second half of the year and the second half of the season. Couldn't agree more. Um, all right, well, let's dive right into it. Um, let's look back to last Thursday. That's where we last left off here. Um, we had a top 10 matchup highlighting that evening of hoops uh, the first night of December, coming in hot. Uh, with a the number seven team in the country, Creighton Blue Jays, heading on the road to Texas to the newly uh, the new beautiful Moody Center, Texas taking care of business, seventy two to sixty seven. Um, I, I can't speak for all of us here, but I think I saw this coming a little bit. Um, Texas just, I mean, at least from what I had seen, obviously, you know, Gonzaga's proven that they. Haven't been as good as kind of expected. Um, Creighton maybe a little bit of the same. Oh, excuse me. Um, but I do feel that I don't know. Texas just seems unbe- seemed unbeatable. Um, you know, going into that one, especially at home where they got really got the you know the new Moody Center rolling and things going well there. So I wasn't all that surprised. Graham, was there anything super surprising for you out of that game? Um, not uh, nothing like. Jumping off the page, other than the fact that Texas um, had three turnovers, and Creighton had three points off of those three turnovers. Wow, which is unbelievable, almost unheard of. Um, additionally, um, you know Creighton' story has been you know how unstoppable their starting five is. Might be one of the best starting fives in all of college basketball. 
But I feel like they're in like a similar problem that Xavier's in right now with uh, not getting much um, bench um, impact. They got a whole zero points from their bench in that game. So. Yeah, I mean, Texas was just more well-rounded. You know, they played better as a team. Um, like, Texas didn't play, like, that insane. Um, but, you know, they were just getting the shots that mattered. Um, you know, forcing some more turnovers, you know, just executing towards the end of the game. Um, I thought it was a great game and a good representation of both teams, in my opinion. I agree. Um, so I, I like those types of matches, you know. You know, it's awesome that it was at Texas too, not a neutral site. Agreed. So huge fan of that game. I thought both teams looked good, and it's a nice little taste of what we'll see uh, towards rest of the season for both of those teams. Yeah, I agree. I think obviously Texas really executing on the fundamentals, like you said, three turnovers is is almost unheard of, and especially this day and age with how many athletes you can have on the floor at the same time. Um, another obviously largely contributing factor. Uh, Creighton shot four of twenty-seven from three. Uh, Baylor Shearman shot three of thirteen. Like that is just not. That's not Creighton. That's not what you'd expect to see from them. Um, so obviously, I think they had a little bit of an off night. While Texas, I don't know that they had a you know a crazy good night. Excuse me. I promise I'm awake here. Um, <laughs> uh, not that Texas had a crazy night, but. Um, they, again, just three turnovers is you know really difficult to do, and uh, and, and good on them for, for executing where they needed to. So, anywho, um, that was the big one for Thursday night last week. Um, also worth noting that uh, UConn uh, beat Oklahoma State 74-64. They beat them by 10 at home uh, that evening. Um, and then we also had uh, Kansas taking care of business against Seton Hall at home as well. Um and then UCLA also going on the road and taking care of Stanford in an early season Pac-12 game. Um, so those were the other kind of notable ones. Um, and, and Greg, if you have anything to say on those, feel free to bring it up. But I think the big, the other big headliner that we could probably mention here briefly um, was Utah knocking off Arizona um, at uh, Arizona on the road, um, 81-66. Uh, they outscored the Bearcats 42-25 in the first half. Um Especially for a team coming off of a very dominant Maui performance, I think kind of a shocker. But again, um, kind of like we were talking about, you know, before the pod and last week, it's a tough week, you know, to to come off of uh, a lot of travel with Maui and you know, obviously um, getting right back into classes that next week, coming off a holiday, um, you know, and then you're playing a conference opponent on the road. Their their arena's juiced, like they want to beat you because now you're the number four team in the country. So just a lot going on there. Um, I don't think it's anything to like really you know be shocked by. Obviously Utah hasn't had the most difficult schedule, but they are a six and two team um, that is clearly you know maybe better than than some expected. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think anything to to worry about for Arizona. But obviously a well played game by Utah there. Yeah, um, just go down the list. I mean, uh, we talked a little bit last last part about how some of these conferences like you have a bunch of non-con games you play like one or two conference games and then you finish out your non-conference schedule i liked it i think it's a little fun little taste breaker and i think it's really cool that utah was able to you know um host a better team and take uh take advantage of it um i was you know seton hall hasn't been that good this year so it wasn't like that big of a surprise that kansas was able to beat them but i was pretty amazed like you know, Kansas put 91 points on their head. Um, I thought that was unbelievable. I think it says more about Kansas than just Seton Hall, but 
still, you know, something to note. And uh, I think that's uh, pretty much all I got for those games on Thursday, December 1st. Um, going in to uh, Friday, December 2nd, we had some really good games um, on this day. You know, we mentioned uh, when we were talking last week, just amongst ourselves, like uh, pretty cool Colgate, a reputable uh, you know, mid-major gets to travel to Auburn, uh, but there wasn't much to sh- uh, show for with the <laughs> a lot fight. less. I honestly thought it was gonna be a little bit closer. Than yeah, that. not much to show for for the Fighting Toothpaste as Auburn takes care of them, and then we had two great uh, games. You know, back to back that night. Um, a great doubleheader on a Friday yeah, night. Uh, Baylor and Gonzaga squaring off, and Baylor wins by just one point, and they were scraping together towards the end of the yeah. game. You know, just like back and forth. There's a couple reviewable plays. Um, pretty cool at Colgate. Um, I mean, Baylor was able to, you know, take advantage of some of them poor execution down the stretch for Gonzaga. Um, and then the Illinois-Maryland game. Was phenomenal. It, yeah. was, it was awesome. Uh, like, this has been a really cool story that, you know, Kevin Willard, after Seton Hall, was kind of just known um, as being perpetually solid. Like, they were never, like, unbelievable. They were never, like, bad. They were just, you know, top-tier big Big East team, you never want to play them, but it's not like, oh, you fear, you know, playing them. It's just, Would you compare them to, like, Everton in the yeah. Premier League? Yeah, except for the past, like, few years. Yeah, but, like, prior to these past couple years, yeah, like, I feel like Everton... Like good players. Yeah, Everton was always, like, almost a guarantee that they were going to finish between 8th and 12th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I think of, like, um... In, like, the, in, in the NBA, like, uh... Oh, God. Um... Maybe like a Utah Jazz kind of situation? Yeah, like a Utah Jazz, like in the past few years, like that they've always just been like good. And it's like It's like all right, cool. Like they never They're not gonna make a finals run, but they're also not gonna not make the playoffs. Yeah. Like Um, so I think well Kevin Willard, you know, when he was leaving, it was just like, Oh, what's gonna happen? Like, is he that good? Is he that bad? Like what right. what's the disconnect? And I think he's proven that he's he's a really good coach. With Maryland's quick turnaround, Maryland hasn't been good since I feel like the Mellow Trimble days, which was like five, six years ago. Great call on the Mellow Trimble days. Um, so th- the fact that Maryland was able to, you know, handle um, a very good Illinois team. Um, I think Illinois tried to call back, but I think Maryland just took advantage, you know, down the stretch, executing. I think that just comes down to coaching. I mean, of course, the players have to do it, but, you know, um, you, you we've seen when a new coach comes into a situation, um, these like close games when you're down going in the last few minutes or you're up, like, I mean that makes or break a good team to a great team. And I think the coaching change has definitely helped Maryland uh, execute some of these situations. Totally agree. Um, the last couple notes on those two games, uh, Baylor Gonzaga was on Peacock, which was a little interesting. Um, didn't hate it, didn't love it, just wanted to note it. Um. And yeah, and, and out at the the Sanford, the the Pentagon out in Sioux Falls. So uh, crazy to see such a good crowd there. Um, but it was awesome to see that. I, I love that the that, that small arena was packed for that game. Um, and then another note on arenas: Xfinity Center, College Park. It was rocking again for that Illinois game. So good to see that back. I've always thought it's one of the best home court advantages in college basketball. But obviously, we haven't seen it the last few years. So excited to see the Maryland's back, and I would love to see them uh, give some of those top Big Ten teams a run this year. Mm-hmm. We're going to move on yeah, to a Saturday. Um, you know, we talked about how Houston's just kind of been taking care of business right now. Uh, they played some pretty inferior opponents. Um, you know, I got a really good test with a reputable um, mid-major in St. Mary's. St. Mary's has been, like, one of the only teams that's been able to stand up to Gonzaga in the past 10 years. 
and you know they came you know played Houston and I think they you know gave them a good run um I think the better team just won I thought that St. Mary's um you know did everything right it's just like Houston's just that good um came out halftime looking a lot better but I think just a better team won there um Florida State, it was one and eight going into their Virginia game. Um, you know, kind of, you know, tried their best, you know, to um, give Virginia, uh, you know, like a little bit of a run. Um, you know, they were even up at halftime, but I think like uh, Tony Bennett is just like, uh, no, we're supposed to be good. You know, we're not bad anymore. Yeah, we're not hanging out with these one. Well, they one and nine now. Yeah, and then but we get the battle of the. The, the toilet of the ACC, we got Louisville and Florida State, I think, this weekend. I oh, can't wait to sign me up for that one. Um, and then, you know. <laughs> I'm almost like, it's almost like a car wreck. Like, I almost want to watch it just to see what happens. Right. Like, I want to see how bad it is. Because mm-hmm. like, I've watched, like, one Louisville game this year, and I haven't watched any Florida State, and I kind of just want to see, like, how bad it looks. Right. Um, and then, you know, the last game that I, I want to touch on on uh, Saturday Rutgers brings back the throwback uniforms that looked absolutely oh, incredible. Oh, I mean, talk to me. Yeah. So good. And, you know, that there's always a thing. It's like, if you want to make some magic happen when you host, like, a really good team, like, maybe it's a change of uniform. Maybe it's, like, the student section does something special. Yeah, psych them up a little bit. And, you know, they got the throwbacks going when Indiana came to town, undefeated Indiana at the time, 10th ranked. And I, I think just when you go uh, to Rutgers – and you're a ranked team, like something about it, man. Yeah, you just, you should just leave. Like, exactly. don't even get off the bus. Uh, Rutgers didn't just beat them. It wasn't like a you know a Ron Har- yeah. Ron Harper like them. buzzer beater. Absolutely rolled them. Um, you know they handled all the uh, Indiana stars. That mm-hmm. they looked like the better team all game. And it was really cool to see you know Rutgers um, mm-hmm. who hasn't been like that insane recently. Yeah. Like their programs back on the come up at you know in the glory days. Um, it's cool to see that there's like buzz. I mean, student section was into it. They got throwback uniforms. They're looking confident, and um, you know, being a good team. I mean, that's always good for the environment and the program as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I think Jersey Mike's Arena is it is it turning into the new Kohl Center? I mean, seriously, it's like it's like my yeah, I agree. Like, might as well pack it up if you're a you know if you're a top ten team heading in there. Um, it was also a very even game too. Like, uh, it was. 31-24 at half, and, and Rutgers won the second half 32-24 as well. So, again, it wasn't like it was like a big run in the second half or anything. like It just was very, very solid performance from Rutgers all the way through. A couple of others I wanted to highlight. Um, I cannot figure out this Notre Dame basketball team to save my life. Um, they have – let me find their current schedule, sorry. Um, so they beat Syracuse – or they, excuse me, they lost to Syracuse on Saturday – um, the third, right after beating a very good Michigan State team. Um, but now they have a test against Marquette coming up this weekend, so I'm interested to see how that one goes. Um, again, Notre Dame is always kind of a wild card in that sense. Um, as of that, South Carolina beat uh, Georgetown in OT. Um, Villanova got a much-needed win against Oklahoma, uh, 70-66, excuse me, um, at the Wells Fargo Center, not even on a campus site. Um like uh, we talked, we touched on Virginia beating Florida State. Um, I think that those were the big ones. Make sure there was another one I missed here. Um, but yeah, so a lot of good results from Saturday. Kind of our first really good Saturday. Um, 
you know, with a little bit less college football, obviously still conference championships kind of taking the uh, taking the precedent there. Um, oh, DePaul beat Loyola Chicago in overtime. Um, worth noting that one, that Loyola Chicago was able to take them to OT. Um, oh, and then Wisconsin beating Marquette in overtime as well at the Pfizer Forum uh, in Milwaukee this year. So, again, similar to the UC Xavier. They do kind of a home-and-home situation. Um, but, yeah, Wisconsin taking care of business. Uh, in overtime, and they look like a really good team. We'll get to you know uh, Tuesday night's action later in the pod, but Wisconsin's looked really solid. Um, gave Kansas a run for their money, took care of business there, um, and yeah, those are the, all the big ones. Um, only other one I wanted to mention. Um, did want to wrap up Boise State taking care of Texas A and M by fifteen on the road, uh, or I guess it was technically a neutral site, but it was in Fort Worth. So um, eighty six seventy one Boise State wins. Obviously, a good one to note there. And then we'll get back to the Musketeer minute, but a great win for Xavier on Saturday night as well. So let's get to Sunday here, December 4th. Um, a few brief ones to note. Obviously, Miami giving Louisville another loss, 80-53 to there. Kentucky played Michigan at the 0-2 in London. Um, Kentucky, 73-69. I think uh, Hunter Dickinson's got to top, stop talking crap um, pregame because there was some more Twitter exchanges from Hunter Dickinson. Um, basically saying that Calipari and UK were ducking them on the schedule um, for the last few years, and uh, it turns into a four-point loss for them. So uh, maybe time to figure that one out there for Hunt. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. There was another good one. Uh, yes, Iowa State uh, beat St. John's and pretty soundly as well. I think they got up to like, a, I want to say it was like 15-2 or 18-2. Like, I watched the game, and it was very early on and very obvious that Iowa State was going to handle the game um, at home at Hilton, um, and they did well. Um, good on, uh, good on Iowa State for for taking care of business there against a, a good St. John's team that hasn't played anyone super super good yet. Um, but again, uh, definitely worth noting that. Um, and then my last big one, um, or I guess I got two more good ones um, from Sunday night were. Nebraska beating Creighton in Omaha. Um, we'll talk more about that one in a minute. Back-to-back losses for that Creighton team. You know, a tough look. They fall from 7 to 21 in the AP Top 25. <coughs> By no means do I think it's curtains or it's like, oh, we, you know, freak-out time or panic-button time for Creighton. Um, but losing to Nebraska at home is, you know, not great for the resume because, you know, I think most of us know they're probably realistically not going to be an amazing team. Um and then Northwestern also losing at home to Michigan, or excuse me, Michigan State losing at home to Northwestern. Back-to-back losses for them as well. Um, so a couple teams that are skating a little bit. Uh, and then did also want to mention great um, mid-major matchup, Utah State remaining undefeated, beating San Francisco on the road, 82-64. They took care of business there. San Fran looking like they're not going to be the same team as they were last year. So, Graham, take away any thoughts on any of those there Sunday night? Um, first... Uh, Zach Eady looks like he's going to be player of the year. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, my, sorry. That's my I way. forgot that he had 31 and 22. Yeah, that's my, <sighs> my way too early prediction. Um, you know, Minnesota's a well-coached team, you know, former Xavier guy Ben Johnson. Um, but, wow, Zach Eady looked absolutely incredible. Uh, Nebraska, you know, taking it to Creighton um, on the road. I mean, that's just a great storyline. Um, but then I don't think that it's uh, much to write home about Creighton. I mean, you know, you just – you just don't really expect it. You don't really plan for it. I mean, they were just playing uh, Texas and um, 
you know, they, they're playing Texas and they have this absolutely unbelievable schedule that they have to put up with towards the early season, one of the hardest in America. You know, you don't really think about little brother Nebraska uh, until it's game time, so I'm not surprised at all. Um, keep going. Uh, North Carolina. Uh, what? Um, North Carolina is oh, now... yeah, missed that one. Whoops. North Carolina is now 5-4 and four with... Four straight losses right now. Yes. Um, to Iowa State, I, I, Alabama, I, Indiana, and Vatek. Granted, those are four good losses, but it's kind of surprising that this is the number one team in America. Consensus, like there's very yeah. few people debating it. Um, well, I just think it's interesting because, and I haven't found any confirmed info on this yet. Um, would love to see some stats on this. But this seems like the f- fastest maybe we've ever seen a team go from number one to out of the rankings yeah at least in my memory and obviously i'm you know a mere 20 years old and don't remember a ton but i i've never seen this before yeah it's got to be um i think it's pretty unbelievable that you know this was like the number one team you know for all summer and then uh the four straight losses pretty killer um keep moving on saturday um Oh, other one that I really want to talk uh, touch on is that Iowa State looks good. I agree. Um, St. John's team, you know, has been one of the teams that Evan and I have been kind of like eyeing that like, oh, don't sleep on the Johnnies. You know, they look pretty good. Um, they and, rolled them from the start. Yeah, I mean, it was a red storm and cyclones going out. The elementals were getting after it. Um, pretty, pretty unbelievable that Iowa State has been uh, this good out of nowhere. Be interesting to see if this is going to be like another – like Iowa State, like last year, where you know they started out unbelievable and then kind of just like fizzled out. Or if this team is uh, legit, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what Iowa State can do uh, this year. Uh, not much to t- touch on on Monday, so we're gonna move on to um, Tuesday. Um, well, last night was a good slate. I, I enjoyed yeah. myself last night. Yeah, there's some some good games. Uh, we'll dive right in um, to. Illinois and Texas. I mean, Texas has looked like one of the most, like, difficult teams, um, you know, all year. Like, they just look so formidable. They've seen amazing on defense. They've seen amazing on offense. It's kind of just been, like, this, like, cause of concern. Like, oh, like, what's going to happen? And my biggest takeaway from Illinois is, you know, one of their circle things was, like, oh, they have Matthew Meyer, you know. He was a very integral part of those good Baylor teams the past few years. Um, he had not been great up yeah, until last night. Yeah, so before this game, um, he had four points, eight points, five points, two points. Like, he was not been that great, and he's supposed to be, like, their impact player. Like, this team, like, goes if he goes. Um, you know, they're looking a lot uh, for his fifth year of eligibility. And he comes in to a good Texas team that's been very – Dominant, not just good. Dominant has twenty one points in three blocks. I think that's the reason that uh, Illinois was able to win. Um, he started off hot for him and finished strong. Moving on, um, you know James Madison and UNC Greensboro giving Virginia and Arkansas runs respectively. Um, always cool when the mid major can travel. You know, try to see what they can do. Uh, James Madison and Virginia squaring off was good for a little Virginia action. Um, James Madison's been a very good team uh, so far. It'll be interesting to see what they could do at conference play. This might be a tournament team uh, that we're going to have to remember, you know, that they took it to Virginia um, if they end up making the big dance. Um, 
And then, you know, to wrap off on my notes for the night, um, gotta say that the Maryland Wisconsin game was awesome. That it was a great uh, finish. Wisconsin went on a thirteen two run. It, I mean, it was like a back and forth game, like all game. Like yeah. didn't really get more than two or four points away from each other. And then Wisconsin just really turned yeah. it up. I I hope that like a Wisconsin unranked loss like for Maryland isn't like oh are they actually that good? Because I mean it's hard to play at Wisconsin. Like this was the dude. The Cole Center was bumping last yeah, night. Yeah, like this is the event. Um, Greg Gard was wearing a vest and a tie. Come on, you can't beat that. Yeah. Um, so it's, I thought, I, if I don't think that's cause for concern for Maryland at all, um, they looked good. They played out a really hard team, um, to play at home. Um, but I, I think that this, both teams are ones that you circle towards the end of the year. Uh, and that's a good matchup to see uh, how they'll shake out towards conference play coming up at the big 10, which I think is still wide open. Completely agree. I think the big 10 is, I, I mean... Obviously, Purdue's shown some flashes. Um, we've seen a lot from this Maryland team. Um, I think Michigan can still figure it out. Michigan State can still figure it out. Illinois is obviously a very solid team when they turn it on. Beating Texas is a big deal. Um, Duke also handled Iowa. I, I don't think that was really to anyone's surprise, except for the betters markets, maybe. Um, Graham and I were talking last night right before the game. I was shocked to see that that line was even. Um, so, yeah, it was basically a pick going into last night. Obviously, Duke winning by 12. Not too surprising to me. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think everything else is kind of well explained and as is. I think the last big one that I wanted to touch on, um, if you're Travis Ford in this St. Louis Billikens basketball team, what? why are you going uh, to New Rochelle, New York, and playing a good Iona team on the road that is not going to look good um, in your numbers? When you lose by 22 on the road, um, that's a tough look, and I think a really unfortunate loss for what I think is a very good St. Louis team. Um, and honestly, like if they don't win the A-10 at this point, I could see that game or, or a couple other of these being the difference of why they don't make the tournament, unfortunately. Um, but we know they're a good team. They just took it to Auburn on the road, um, and they've won some really good games already so far. Um, and they, they played played it tight with Maryland and, and so on. So I, I'm, I'm shocked to see that they would put themselves in a situation like that. Um, you know, with a difficult game against uh, a good Iona team, and uh, unfortunately, the, the loss I think will, will hurt them going forward. So, but anywho, that will wrap kind of our weekly recap. Um, let's get to the Musketeer Minute, Graham. You, any big notes? Obviously, big win on Saturday um, against uh, the West Virginia Mountaineers. We did also uh, get a win over uh, Southeast Louisiana last Wednesday. I can't remember if that was before or after we recorded. Can't remember. So, um, point being, uh, I think it was. I think it was the game was after we recorded. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, so Southeast Louisiana uh, took care of business there. Got to see the walk-ons come in a little bit. Um, fun night there. Fun experience. Um, but yeah, and then uh, obviously get into a, a great game against West Virginia. You know, big thoughts, big takeaways. Um, where's the save your team at going into a, a tough road game this weekend? Yeah, I uh, the West Virginia game. Um, I thought was a very that's a very good win uh, when uh, you play play a very good team at home um, with a good coach with ties to you know UC. There's a lot of emotions that uh, come with that. And I thought that uh, the team took advantage of an excellent opportunity in front of us. Um, you know, it was a 
neck and neck all game. You know, we're down uh, seven going into half, and then we absolutely just rolled in the second half. I thought we looked absolutely unbelievable in stretches um, of the second half. Um, you know, just doing all the little things. I felt like some of our tips on rebounds and, you know, shooting 76% from the free throw line, um, just taking smart shots towards the end of the game. I mean, that was the difference. Um, I thought we looked very good. Um, also, I mean, not to harp on it, but I mean, the officiating for both sides was, I think the worst officiating game that I've seen all year, uh, in Xavier games. Um, Obviously, it's very easy, you know, to say, like, oh, Xavier was just getting screwed over by calls all night. And, like, I, I would agree. West Virginia, um, I think, got screwed over just as much. Um, I'd like to see what their fouls were before um, garbage time. And, you know, they're trying to foul to get more possessions. Right. Um, because they only had five more than us. I bet it was about even. Um, you know, they may have had, like, one or two more. Um you know, to add more to it, um, like we got screwed over in the first half, and then I think towards the second half there was some missed calls in terms of calling fouls on West Virginia, and there was missed fouls on like some bailouts for Xavier. And I just thought that um, that I could see why West Virginia uh, fans could be very uh, upset with that loss due to officiating. But at the end of the game, I. At the end of the day, I feel like it was so bad overall that canceled out and the better team won. Um, but you hate to see, you know, uh, emotions of the game kind of get involved uh, on the ref side of things. Um, going in to UC, um, I'm not scared at all. I'm 100% confident. Um, but there's only there's only two things that I, I would be, like, of concern and something I'd want to pay attention to if I'm a Xavier fan going into this game. Uh, first of all, this is our... Everyone on the team, even the guys that have been here for four years, this is their first UC road game. You know, True we, road it's, game. Yeah, it's every it's every other year we yeah we go to Clifton, um, and two years ago the time that we did go to Clifton, um, so that would have been Zach and Kiki's uh, sophomore year. There was like five hundred people in the crowd due to COVID, and you know they're spaced out, so you can't get much noise. You get some cheers when your when your team makes a shot, and when it's a bad call, the crowd goes ah. Yeah. But there's not there's nothing like the constant jeering um, at the free throw line. There's not when the you know UC is on like a uh, couple points on a run. Like there's not that you know that defensive energy. Like it's just going to be a completely different game. And not to say that these boys aren't familiar with it. I mean the Big East. I mean it's a yeah, basket. Yeah. It's a basketball conference. Every single team we play. It's the thing to do. Right. So um, it's not like I'm worried about they're not going to be able to handle the crowd. Everyone on the team has experience. Um, even guys like Des and uh, Cam, you know, the high school basketball scene has exploded. I mean, the fact that, you know, these are both guys that have played at Peach Jam on EYBL circuits, they, they know the pressure. Right. Like, sure, it might not be 8,000 people in a crowd screaming your name, but it's 50 Division One coaches analyzing everything you do. Uh, Sule, boom. He has four years of college experience. Like I'm, I'm not worried about that. It's just the fact that it is something to note that we've never played this game before. Second of all, Clifton is not that good. 
But if there's one thing they are good at, is that they get a lot of shots a game. They play a very fast-paced defense. Um, they're going to be pressing on made and missed free throws all the time. Um, and they take a lot of shots, a lot of bad shots. But when you got the crowd behind you and you're hitting them, and we haven't been that good on the uh, perimeter defense this year, um, it is some, it's a cause of concern. You know, They hit, take a few bad shots early on that we're able to give them because of our poor perimeter defense. Crowd gets behind you. You don't want to play behind in a crosstown game even when UC is an inferior opponent this year. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, and, and we talked about this early on in, the, in one of the first podcasts of the season, my only issue with the schedule this year is that this is our first true road game. Um, and, you know, obviously, yes, we've been to Portland and, you know, played against tough teams, and I get all that, but this is the first time that we're going to be playing in a true adversary environment for a lot of these guys. I agree. I think a lot of them have plenty of experience. Um but it's different. Rivalry games are different. We always say you go into those games, oh no, uh, toss out all the previous stuff, all the previous records, and it's a fresh slate. So overall, I think it's I think it's gonna be a difficult test. I think it's gonna be a tough test. I think it's definitely a winnable test. It's not like you know a situation where you know say we're going to go play at uh, I don't know, say we're gonna go play at Indiana or at Purdue where it's like all right, well that's kind of a bleak outlook. Um, this game I feel it is very much a winnable game. Um, but at the same time, I, I do think it's going to be a really tough test. Uh, and I'll be interested to see what the what the betting markets have to say about it because um, I wouldn't be surprised if we were favored, but I don't think it's going to be by a lot. I think it's going to be a very, very close predicted game. So, mm. If I had um, to guess, I'd say around three and a half, Zave. That might even be a lot. I think it's one or two. But anyways. Um, well, just think about if it was at if it was at Xavier, what would the line be? If it was at Sintas, I think it would be eight and a half. Yeah. I, like close I, to I'd give like Clifton's advantage. You know, it isn't a lot. I mean, while it it's is not as much as Cintas is, but I still think it's enough to to note. And again, like you said, the the most key moments there for the this Clifton team is going to be, you know, when they when they get going on the offensive end and they get a little run going. I unfortunately I don't think our defense has proven itself enough yet. To be like, oh yeah, when they're like, when their offense and their crowd gets going, like yeah, we're gonna go get a stop, you know. Mm-hmm. Now hopefully we have a couple, you know, crowd silencing threes and stuff like that, as we are the tenth best offense in the country, and I do think that's entirely possible. Um, but it's just, it's gonna be a difficult test. Um, to note on the West Virginia game, that place was electric. Cintas uh, was bumping on Saturday night. Um, one of the better atmospheres I've ever experienced. I put it up there with Indiana. I put it up there with Ohio State of last year. Um, so yeah, awesome experience. Love to see that the crowd was very into it. Um, you know, it, it just it was a really great atmosphere, um, and you know, loved sending Huggy Bear home with a with a loss. Um, nothing would have rather done there in that night. So overall, I think uh, I think we're in a good spot. I think we've done what we've needed to up to this point. Um, you've got this tough game against UC, and then you have what I think is almost a little bit of a track uh, like a trap game. Playing Southern next Tuesday, a little bit of a short rest, you know, at home, finals week. You know, I don't think the crowd's going to be, you know, I, I think obviously the students will show out and they'll fill it up, but it's not going to be, you know, you know, your standard electric um, non-con game. So I do think that, you know, a little bit of a trap game, got to be careful with that one. Uh, make sure you take care of business there. And then you go on the road on Friday and play your first, uh, first road Big East game of the season at Georgetown. So um, I think it's going to be a great... Great couple weeks up ahead. Um, yes, yeah, so we got Georgetown, and then we play Seton Hall at home that next Tuesday. 
And then the week after that, we've got St. John's on the road and then UConn at home. And if, if all things hold, should be a top-tier matchup on New Year's Eve here in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, to round it out, um, it's just something that's, like, really cool for uh, Xavier fans to pay attention to is, you know, that we're, like, one of the uh, best offenses in the country right now. Um, and notably, out of the Power Six conferences, uh, we are the best three-point shooting team in the country. Um, granted, we don't uh, take as many attempts per game. Uh, you know, the top five consists of Kentucky um, shooting 39%, shooting 178 this year, Virginia 39%, shooting 144, Clemson uh, 40%, shooting 196. Absolutely incredible numbers from Penn State here 40%, shooting 240 this season. Good Lord. Which is absolutely incredible. Um, but then, you know, your Xavier Musketeers rounding out. Um, this like top elite list of three-point shooting teams shooting 43% from the field on 151 attempts. That's absolutely incredible. Um, we've been a very efficient offense. You know, I mean, there's an awesome, awesome Mark Jackson quote during the NBA Finals. Kevin Durant, you know, you know, drives the basket, gets one, step back three, gets one, mid-range jumper, and, you know, forces a Cleveland Cavaliers timeout. Mark Jackson's like, Kevin Durant's saying, how you want it? And I think that's like how Xavier Musketeers' offense has been this year. It's like we have two great post presents, but we're also just clipping at an elite rate right now. Um, there's a lot of signs pointing for Xavier Musketeer fans. Um, sure, as I already said, and I'm sure a lot of fans have felt it that you know the defense hasn't been that good. But you know, if there's one pause, like silver lining about this, is like if you're not a good offensive team you probably won't get better. Like, right. like, that's the stuff for preseason and summer. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, we're shooting 25% for as a team from three. You can't be like, all right, let's take 500 shots today and hopefully we're better. Like, that's just, like, not how yeah. it works. That's not the thing you get better at. Yeah, in defense, you, you, can, you can teach kids. You can instill values into kids about wanting to work hard. Like, that's a lot easier. So if there's one thing that I would want us to work on, it's defense. If we were bad at offense, you kind of just have to fold up and be like, all right, this is the team. We can't shoot. We don't have shooters. So I think that there's some positivity on that end. I would agree. I think, and I think especially defensively, I think at least, you know, obviously from, my, from, my, from what I've seen, you know, from my perspective of a lot of the games is a lot of the defensive issues in many cases are positioning related. And I think that is, again, like you were saying, that's something you can teach. Now, granted, you can't teach athleticism. I understand that. You can't teach guys to just be, like, naturally, you know, athletic enough to defend the ball or defend certain styles of play. But I think a lot of what I've seen is that, you know, guys just not being disciplined on positioning and staying on their feet and things like that. And those are all things that I've seen kind of slowly getting better as the season's gone on already. And, like, simple effort plays. Like, guys get on the floor – We've seen that so much more in these last few games, and I've loved seeing it. So, again, I agree with you, Graham. I think this team is is in a great spot and and has a great chance to secure a couple more key victories before we turn the page on the new year. So, um, but yeah. So as we wrap it up, that'll kind of wrap today's episode on Wednesday, December seventh. I'll get this up either tonight or tomorrow morning on December eighth. Um, we'll have Crosstown. We'll have Southern next week. Um, Graham and I have finals, so I think, again, it'll be kind of dependent on what we've got going on. Uh, hopefully we can catch a pod, though, next week before 
Um, we both leave town, head home for the holidays, and have to go to stupid Zoom Pro and stay on our short, or Zoom regular, excuse me, um, and stay on our shorter pods or having to reconnect or whatever. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Um, but yeah, so we got that coming up, that on the horizon. Then obviously, conference play is already underway for a lot of teams. We actually have the first Big East games of the season tonight. Uh, DePaul plays St. John's tonight, so should be a, a heater uh, in in New York. Um, but yeah, so anyways, good uh, good times here in Hoops. And uh, obviously, this is kind of, it's not like officially listed as like Rivalry Week, but it's kind of off-brand Rivalry Week. It's non-con Rivalry Week, got a lot of good ones. Um, Syracuse Georgetown playing this weekend. Obviously Xavier UC, Kansas Missouri. Um, Georgia played Georgia Tech last night. Like there's just a handful of of those good out of conference rivalries happening this week. So super excited to see um, how those end up. But uh, thank you again all for uh, for joining us and listening on this uh, great Wednesday night, great pod episode. Graham, thanks for joining me tonight. Um, and yeah, we'll wrap it with that, and we'll see you all next week after hopefully a great crosstown shootout weekend. Cheers.